From CBX Studios in New York City, you're listening to Straight Talk. Nothing crooked here, just conversations that aim to cut through the BS of branding and get to the heart of culture and commerce. Here's your host, Dustin Longstreth. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk, the only podcast dedicated to provoking discussion with brand and design leaders about topics at the intersection of culture and commerce. Okay, it's probably not the only one, but we're here, damn it. I am Dustin Longstreth, Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer at CBX, a brand and design agency located in New York City. I am also co-host of Straight Talk. For this episode, we're talking with Aaron Los Cutraro, founder and CEO of She Should Run, a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization dedicated to expanding the talent pool of women running for office in the United States. The conversation is led by my colleague, Christina Papali, a VP of Strategy at CBX, and she is joined by our other colleague, Leslie Stortel, Creative Director at CBX. It's a really great conversation about the value of brand and some key learnings on what to think about when building a brand for the nonprofit space in general, and she should run specifically within this highly competitive, politically charged Me Too era. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Straight Talk, everyone. I'm your host, Christina Papali. Talk about scripted. SVP of Strategy and Design and Innovation at CBX. Thanks for being here today. I'm joined here today with the founder and CEO of She Should Run, Erin Los-Cutraro. Welcome, Erin. Hi. Uh, tell us a little bit quickly about what She Should Run is, and, uh, and we'll also introduce my colleague, actually. Not your colleague, my colleague. Thank you. CBX Creative Director, Leslie Stortle. Hi, Leslie. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about what She Should Run is just to start. Let's just ground yeah. and level set. Sure. So She Should Run is an organization that works to get women to run for office in the United States. So we are nonpartisan and really provide that meaningful starting place for any woman who is just thinking of running for the first time. So for me, you know, I, my, my professional background didn't actually start in a, in a place of politics. I was a teacher. I then went into the, the corporate sector and was doing learning and development. And um, I have always been somebody who is a systems thinker, though. So fast forward to this point in time in my life where I up and quit my corporate job and joined a campaign full time. Friends and family thought I was crazy. Um, I didn't look back after that because I caught this sort of bug of seeing what was possible for women in elected roles and um, ended up working for an organization that helped women at the very beginning of their campaign. So once they had already declared um, and I saw these trends, like these barriers, these opportunities, um, but really the barriers that women were facing when they were running. And I realized that after election cycle, after election cycle, we were seeing little to no gains in the overall percentage of women serving in elected office that I wanted to come up with some way to add value to the landscape. And so she should run in its founding was really this place of how can we build a much bigger bench than we currently have of women who are thinking about running. And then all the way from impetus to execution. So what, what, where did it start and how did that? Yeah, I mean, it really started over wine, frankly. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, all good ideas yes, do. most do, yeah. Exactly. So the, the idea at the beginning was, um, was really just 
how can we build something that allows us to be able to ask women to run for office? So um, still going strong today is She Should Run's Ask Women to Run program. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at the founding, it was um, it was really just this simple come to the She Should Run website, tell us about a woman you know. And we, we had not quite mapped out what we were going to do with that. Um, but, but, you know, here we are today. Organization was founded formally in 2011. Um, and we have... Um, you know, thousands and thousands of women who have come through the Ask program are now in She Should Run's other programs, and we can talk more about that. But um, but it was really founded on under this Ask Ask Women to Run. Where, where, what was your investment? I mean, when did you start? Right. Leslie so um, so I've known Aaron since we were roommates uh, in college. Wow. So a long time. And so like forty years ago. Yeah, like like 40, three, years like ago. three years ago. Three years ago. So I remember you telling me that insight of a lot of women don't run because no one asks them to run and women tend to shy away from stepping up themselves, that sort of confidence gap. So when you gave that insight and you just kept going back to that because you were working with another organization and you're like, they're, they're focusing on research, but this bit of research is the most fascinating piece to me that because women aren't running because they're not being asked. So um, I think... You telling me that insight and really like, you know, just galvanizing other women to ask women to run, just to put it out there. Like, I think you're worthy of this. I think that you deserve to run. People deserve to hear what you have to say was a huge piece of it. And then from there, just like, you know, you went on to build more things. But that was sort of that, that she should run point of like, this is an insight that we can use because it's so simple it's a simple action do you now think about that insight when you're talking about what you do for a living working in branding was that an insight that you hooked into even prior to some of the work we're going to talk about in a second were you helping all along was was part of your goal to move that needle um yeah with my background being in branding and marketing of what is that messaging like how do we start pushing that messaging how do we you know, even when when you were starting the comp- when you were starting, she should run as its own entity, and and what do we call it? What does it mean? Like, can this be a brand name? So there was a lot of like very organic conversation from a from a marketing standpoint. But I think we also just as women that were trying to lead in positions that there wasn't always a lot of women in in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Then I think we shared a lot of similarities about like how would that appeal? How do we? How do we make a woman feel confident enough to step forward and, and keep moving? For me, it was about solving the social problem. And it, was, it wasn't it was like, okay, well, how can I think about the brand and think about how the brand can you know then come back and be helpful to solving the social problems? Like, how do you solve this problem? And, um, and so it it was it was a learning process for me i mean i can't really point to the one exact moment what is the value of brand solving a social problem in your mind well i i mean now i feel like it's it feels like everything because when when we do the work that we do which in the field is to try to change hearts and minds to help women see what's possible for their leadership to help um, organizations and entities see that they can be part of the solution. You have to have something that feels cohesive and um, and credible in place in order for those individuals to want to engage and to trust the process. And so I think so often with nonprofits, 
you don't have the resources to tap into that higher level strategy and thinking. Um, you know, you're sort of just kind of putting it together on your own and you might be doing something really great, but no one knows about it. And so you can't scale your impact. So I, I feel like you can't do one without the other. And, and maybe I didn't know that in the beginning. Well, I think a lot of people that have come out of nonprofit in a political world who come out of sort of the beltway mentality, which is talking points. And so, so <laughs> you're laughing because there would be a few times where I'd be like, that's a talking point. Like, I think there's a couple like really clear moments in political history where you can think about like when Obama care first came out, Obama had a list of talking points and conversation points about healthcare. And it tanked because it was not clear, concise, easy to understand brand, right? Like, and then you think about Donald Trump, make America great again, a red hat. Like, that's just genius branding. Mm-hmm. There is nothing great behind marketing. it yeah. other than branding. And so, uh, you know, with working with Aaron and working with the initiatives that, that they were with, and even some of the people that have worked on your team that came out of a heavy political background where they have talking these are our messages these are talking points they weren't necessarily translate to a consumer brand like a way that i can grasp the brand because as we know at cbx like people want to connect to a brand they want to feel like this brand represents them and a talking point they might agree with the talking point but they don't embrace that as a brand so what is the difference then when you think about a talking point in a brand and where has the value uh, been added at she should run in those ways so what are the tangibles I mean, I'll let Leslie jump in as the expert on that, but I know for, for, for me and the work, it's it kind of comes back to authenticity. And um, we can deliver as many talking points as we want, but you know, if you we really want to sort of build this lasting relationship and be the thing that pops into to individuals' minds when um, they're thinking, okay, this, you know, we do want to see a more diverse government. Oh, okay, she should run. Um, they're not going to think about the talking point as much as they're going to think about this experience of of, of a relationship with the brand. So, um, well, there was, well, I don't know what I, you're going to. yeah, there was the the name itself. So we had a lot of conversation about like, should I just keep the name? She should run. Is yeah. the name like, is it that simple? And and there was a lot of you know back and forth about what else would you call it and I'm sort of like you know what that doesn't sound like an official nonprofit name it doesn't no. sound like you know the national association it's of such women it's a great women's conversation yes when it's like should I should I should I get the pasta you should, yeah. you should. And it feels like an encouraging <laughs> right, thing exactly uh. and so it was but but what was interesting is then as you moved beyond ask a woman to run then there was a lot of conversation of was she should run to narrowing right. um, and so then we we built Talking points that sat, oh God, I just said talking points. We built messages. <laughs> That's <what I> <laughs> We built messages that came out of it that still laddered up to She Should Run. And I think some of the other things of translating a talking point to, to an activation or to an idea, like um, the 250,000 by 2030, I mean, that was, I'm going to go out here and say that I want 250,000 women to run by 2030. And so it was, how do we say that and just create a hashtag around it and and so it's taking these longer pieces abbreviating them even in the 500,000 steps up camp like we've we've taken campaigns that are quantifiable um, and easy for people to understand and to glom onto that are a talking point but are translated to marketing 
And, f and for those years, I mean, w with marketing that you've done in the past or maybe even before sort of this initiative, how would you compare the two? I mean, so so I can I can dig in a little bit on the 250,000 women by 2030 point, because I think that's a great example of where we, because of the relationship that we have, um, we're able to think more deeply about how to roll something like a big goal that, by the way, was always our internal goal. Um, and most nonprofits have that big internal goal that they're driving to. But wow, put that if we're going to really put that out, we have to we have to know that we're going to put that out as as and and roll that out as something that feels cohesive and feels authentic to the brand and feels like something bold. And it was wildly successful when we rolled it out. And I really pull that back to, you know, having a, a team um, of, of brand experts that could think about, you know, what, what are the words that matter? What's the, what's the, you know, what are all of the elements that need to be in place for this to really hit? And, be, and, 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 it, and it, it was, yes, timing mattered in when we came out for that, but it was also, whoa, okay, in this moment where it, everything in politics feels like we're just making these like small step forward, small step forward, let's talk about what it's actually going to take. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take half of the elected offices in this country on the ballot having women on the ballot so that we have an actual representative ballot. It's super simple. You know, yeah. when you think about it from a brand perspective or even a marketing perspective, is really having an audacious goal that uh, hopefully people are constantly working towards because that's where you get the momentum because yes. it's not there yet. Right. And, and you need that influence and power. So from what's interesting about that simple message, so we were talking a little bit before about uh, having someone in the field, say the brand professional, you called it, to yeah. translate that. Yeah. Um, and and what would you say to nonprofits maybe that don't maybe engage or, or maybe can't? So what, what is that the the potential I would say um, consideration for other for other companies like yours or businesses like yours if they're if they're on the fence on that? I would say that it is worth the time to find. Uh, investors, donors, supporters who get the connection um, and to not listen to what is very much the sort of norm in nonprofits, which is you can't possibly spend money on things that don't have a guarantee or things that aren't direct program support. And, and it's such a missed opportunity. I understand the value of direct program support and we have to put dollars there. But if we're not telling people about the impact and giving people a way to engage with whatever cause that, you know, we're, we're putting so much time in, then you're, you're just missing this opportunity to, to, to scale and to have greater impact. So I, I would put it to the, to the, to the nonprofits, but really it's like the bigger picture of, you know, nonprofits are, are held to some pretty, uh, difficult standards when it comes to that and where they actually spend their dollars. So not to be afraid to take the risk because it will pay off. Well, add a little bit too on just what it means for a nonprofit. So we've obviously spent many years in our career working for profit. Right. Um, and if your approach is different or how you would also give a little insight for these folks. Right. Well, I think one thing is to, for if I were talking to other people in nonprofit, I would say, look in your network for people that want to help you because right now is a time where there is people that want to help you. I've been helping Erin and telling her what do you want me to do for a while 
and was really excited when CBX as an entity could help her. But, you know, still, I was like, what do you want? I'll do it. I'll fix it. Like, I'll help you somehow. And I think there's always somebody in that network that can help them out. I think another really important thing, like if, if they're still not ready to pay the money or if they couldn't even, they don't have a friend that's in marketing, um, to figure out where your consistency is. So I think um, one of the other things that CBX did when she should run is like, do you know you're using like four different blues? Mm. <laughs> you know? Four blues? I couple of different we fonts. We were doing that. Um, and, just, and just things like that. Things that like as a, if you weren't wrapped up into that world, you wouldn't even think about it because you'd be like, that matches. Let's and go. what's important about that though? Well, what's important about that is, is if you are trying to build your brand, build your name, build your nonprofit, gain awareness, then you need to look sound and feel the same everywhere because you're not going to have the benefit of mass scale. So if I'm only going to see you in this place and see you on a someone's backpack button and see you in um, you know this one event, I want to recognize you from those moments. And if you're looking, I mean, nonprofit has the benefit of doing something awesome so people actually pay attention and and want to be involved and are curious about it so they might be paying attention more than you know some of our for-profit when they're just pushing stuff out everywhere and it becomes noise so um i think it's it's important to have sort of a, a tight visual and verbal ship as much as you possibly can um, when you first go out there. Well, just think about what happens when you don't as well. With limited touch points, with limited funding, if you're not singing yeah. the same song, you know, the, the bang for your buck is non-existent. Right. And would you say that that was, did it have some kind of result, you think? Um, and I don't know how you measure that. What is measurement in oh, profit and from brand? You know? So I've definitely seen the other side, if that's what you're asking. Yes. Um, where, you know, you're not investing the time and and it's not just about about money it is about spending the time to get those details right and then you do have you know handouts that maybe your logo doesn't look right or maybe someone took your logo and did something strange to it or um, but you just you sort of write it off and say like we don't have time to deal with that and um, or if people are giving you something for free and you're like, uh, they totally did that to my logo, but they're letting us be a sponsor here or they're donating money or, and you let it happen because you, you don't feel like you can complain. Beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> right. In a way. Yeah. right. But when, but if you use the language as brand, then sometimes they get that. That's right. So I think that, that is one of the biggest shifts that I've seen because we have conversations as an organization now where our brand has value. And that is not something that we talk about commonly in nonprofit space. So there's not really a, 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 a guidebook for how to do that well. Um, Though we have a guidebook now on how to do that. Well. <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, no, but generally for the industry, there's sort of this no. notion that, I mean, you used the words earlier on like legit. Like, yes. Well, how to, talk about the substance in that and, and why it makes a difference too from a, even just calling it something like, well, we're sort of illegitimate over here doing it and now it's legit. Well, I think because people really hold a high standard for where their philanthropic dollars go and... So if you're thinking about where somebody's going to put their time, their volunteer, their you know minutes of volunteer time, or their few dollars they have to give to an organization, 
they're going to question an organization that maybe doesn't really either can't communicate impact or not really clear what's happening behind the curtain and will and then all of a sudden it brings up all of these questions and in fact that nonprofit may be trying to do everything right and maybe doing most things right but just doesn't you know doesn't have sort of the the, the front line in order to to, sh- to be able to show that well. So I think it is important and that it comes with like a legitimacy, a trust that um, that we are going to be good stewards of, you know, the gifts that are given to our organization. You know, we're 501c3. We have to we have to make public people who donate to our organization. And we're, it's just a it's a different, um, I think, standard that we're held to of what we do with funds. And so um, I just think that experience has to be really smooth. Would you agree? I mean, in terms of you've worked all over the board, you know, in terms of categories or just other other players that are profit or nonprofit. Yeah, well, I think um, Aaron just brought up a really good point of uh, your what are you five hundred one three C five hundred one C three yeah yeah one of those things C three PO. We are tax deductible for anyone interested in making into your guests. <laughs> <laughs> Please donate. Um, we need all the ladies. Uh, but but I think one important piece of that is that you can see who donated. You are very, very careful about being nonpartisan. Yes. Very careful about um, making sure that, you know, although some would say having women in office is a blue thing, it's not. Yeah. It can be a red thing, too. Um, so even just the colors we choose, the way that we ground, um, like we have to be really careful in, in how we help design and how we help direct the visuals so that people get political, they get some element of political, they get some element of nonpartisan. It doesn't feel like I know exactly where, where the leanings are, except to focus on that it's that it's she should run to focus on what the core objectives are and that it doesn't cause any noise anywhere else. I think sometimes nonprofits brand themselves in a way where either you don't totally know what they do or they stand some way and you believe their position is off brand for you as a person because you have your own brand that goes with it. So I think it's just being very careful with it so that you can steward the brand in the right way to get the right reaction. Tell us a little bit what's actually happening this year as we approach the elections and, and where we're at in terms of women running for office. Sure. So uh, we have right now um, going into November 6th a record number of women on the ballot. Um, it's, it's, it's actually, uh, we've never seen anything like this. So we, we have a record number of women on the ballot. We have a record number of women challenging incumbents. That's super interesting because uh, traditionally it is really hard to beat an incumbent. And so I got I have my eye on as an organization who regularly talks about the statistic that when women run for office, they win at the same rate as men. I don't know what that's going to look like after this election. Um, but, you know, we know there are going to be some really incredible individual stories. There are, you know, one in three uh, women who are on the ballot for Congress are women of color. Um, there is going to be incredible diversity that we have not seen before. Um, and and there is also going to be a lot of story, I think, after the election of women who didn't make it and, and questioning of like, what does what happens next? 
And and I think, you know, this is where she should run because we have a very long game approach. You know, we have our eye on 2030, trying to get 250,000 women to run. You know, that that sort of momentum that exists or is challenged to exist after the election matters deeply to us. And so we're very focused on the forward facing, we have to keep marching forward. There will be gains. They will probably not be as big as everyone hopes. We are definitely not closing the gender gap on November 6th. Sorry if I'm depressing anyone with that. Um, but you are. <laughs> well, uh, but there, with so many women in the pipeline who are still thinking about running, and that is the role that she should run plays, is sort of looking around the corner. Um, I'm really optimistic about the next few cycles and that there will continue to be, it will continue to be this year of the woman conversation. Oh, I love that. It's the perfect timing, but it's also to think about all of, you know, our offspring that is potentially looking about and saying these record numbers have way more of an effect even on the current politics, uh, right. but they are essentially stats that enforce the future That's of, right. of women in politics. That's right. Well, thank you guys for pushing hard here. Yeah. We've had a great time. Thank you so much, Erin, yeah. Leslie. This has been a lovely conversation, but also an important conversation, not only about what She Should Run is doing, but how important brand is. And we thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Straight Talk is recorded at CBX Studios in Manhattan. It is produced by Sharif Malgoza and Ali Arduini.